Okay, um, just to show an interest, so I'm, uh, perhaps the three last papers have been bundled together because we are, we are, we don't belong so well with the ones that come before. <laughs> I'm not going to be talking about uh, moral cognition, it's a very different topic. But the question I'm asking is about those agents who harbour negative implicit attitudes, implicit biases, how should we assess them uh, as people? And I'm using the example here of racism. So I grew up in South Africa under apartheid. Uh, not surprisingly, perhaps, uh, I exhibit moderate implicit bias against black people on an implicit association test. So it's a question that matters to me. I'm, I'm not aware, I'm not going to tell you about implicit association tests. Uh, I'm happy to talk about that test sometime. Or the, the other methods of measuring um, implicit attitudes. Uh, the, the number. Um, what are implicit attitudes? Roughly, because there's a lot of controversy here, they are states uh, which have a role in behavior, uh, but which are not introspectable directly. You can't, uh, assuming they have content, you can't access their content by looking in, nor uh, by using sort of standard transparency methods, if that's how you believe you generate self-knowledge. Okay, so of those people, are they racist? Of you, I would bet, are you racist? Um, are you sexist? By the way, being female doesn't mean you don't have negative implicit attitudes against uh, women, although you're less likely to. But, um. So what, the way I'm going to go about trying to answer this, this is by looking at three criteria that I've just found in the literature. Uh, I'm by no means an expert on racism or sexism. I'm going to try to tell you what they are. Three very standard criteria which pretty much every account, but oh, one or two exceptions, but very few, every account uses or has as central to its definition of what makes a person racist one or more of these criteria. Most of them are in fact disjunctive or conjunctive, not more than one, only one. Um, so I'm just going to go through them one by one. Uh, and ask to what degree do agents like me satisfy these criteria? And these criteria are doxastic, affective or emotional, using those words interchangeably, and behavioral. Toxastic, a racist is someone with racist beliefs. Affective, a racist is someone with racist emotions. Behavioral, a racist is someone who acts in a racist manner. Okay, so let's start with the doxastic model. I'm going to go very Do I have racist beliefs? Well, I've got non-racist beliefs.
asked me when I believe, and I'll tell you, and I have egalitarian beliefs, but that doesn't mean I don't also hold expressive beliefs. There are a number of people who think that people sometimes have contradictory beliefs. Um, for example, some people think that someone who's been brought up, uh, say, to be very superstitious, say they've always been told that if somebody says something, you know, the truth and says, ah, oh, so you don't touch wood, uh, and then comes to reject it, but still finds themselves with an urge to touch wood whenever, you know, that sort of situation uh, triggers. They've got contradictory beliefs. Jim Gershman has a paper I was reading on. So maybe I've got racist beliefs as well as non-racist beliefs. Well, what are implicit attitudes? Are they beliefs? On the standard story, they're not beliefs. There are associations of some kind between stimuli or between representations, uh, depending on your story. And associations are not beliefs. Beliefs have certain markers. Uh, a belief is a state that's sensitive to evidence and plays a role in inference. So um, a belief, if I believe that it's raining and I look outside and, you know, Sun's shining, which is happening obviously with an upset. Um, <laughs> the belief would uh, dissipate. It responds to evidence. It plays a certain role in inference. If I believe it's raining and I want it to stay dry, um, I will infer that I should take uh, an umbrella. Associations just aren't like that. They don't play any of those roles. They don't respond to evidence. They respond to conditioning and counter conditioning. Uh, they don't feature in inferences. That's good for me, except that there have been recent arguments from both philosophers and psychologists that implicit attitudes are beliefs. And the arguments, uh, oddly, this is one situation in philosophers working in psychology, you know, it gets the psychology nerd and the psychologist nerd. Psychologists have very uh, unconvincing arguments for this. I'm just going to ignore them. But there are arguments in the literature from philosophers who say, look, these states are not neurotherapy evidence. Very rapidly, just one example of why this has to be put within a mere association is the phenomenon of cognitive dominance. It's easy to induce implicit attitudes in people, to find them conducting things. Oh, let's have a look at that. So suppose you don't know anything about um, the United States much. Uh, but I tell you, people in Georgia, or racist people in Georgia, uh, or uh, voted for Trump people in Georgia, or members of the Ku Klux Klan, people in Georgia would never help their neighbors, people in Georgia would, you know, hit you as soon as look at you. Five minutes of that would induce negative implicit attitudes towards conservative in Georgia. Now I tell you, just 10 minutes, people in Massachusetts hate the people in Georgia. That induces positive implicit attitudes in people to people who live in Massachusetts. It's very hard to tell an interpretive story about what's going on there. That looks like a derivative inference going on. An inference over implicit attitudes. So they're not near associations. Doesn't follow though that they are beliefs. Uh, the fact that they do play some sort of inference 
Let me tell you that our beliefs, because beliefs play a systematic influence as well and respond to evidence uh, systematically. And implicit attitudes just don't. There are lots and lots of uh, examples of failures of implicit, implicit attitudes in the experimental context. Lots and lots of evidence of failure to respond Um, just one example. Um, here's one. Um, was it the drug antibiotic act in 2006? It, that sort of procedure induced implicit attitudes to people living in Georgia, as well as an induction procedure for rather than public health manipulation. An induction procedure induced positive attitudes to people who live in Massachusetts. Then they said, oh my God, I'm sorry, we got, we got uh, things wrong, we, we need not have been allowed. This is true about people who live in Georgia? It's really true for people who live in Massachusetts. They're the outcomes. Uh, and people in Georgia, they're really lovely people. I didn't think it was true about people who live in Massachusetts. They're really true about them. People's implicit attitudes disseminate key incentives for that piece of information. They're they're evidence sensitive, their implicit attitudes are not evidence sensitive. So, are implicit attitudes beliefs? No, they're clearly not. They fail to be evidence sensitive, they fail to feature an interest. You know, think of the standard uh, crime used in the literature. Ruins, ruins, not ruins, ruins are negative crimes. So, after a presentation of a ruin, somebody who is implicitly sexist will respond more quickly, that's the picture that is, facilitate response to a picture of a woman. But there's no inferential link between ruins and women. Puppies, seals, are positive implicit attitudes, but they're not inferentially linked to white people. So, good news for me, I don't have negative implicit racist beliefs. On the other hand, presumably the dogmatic criterion is plausible uh, because of the functional role it plays. And implicit attitudes have some of the same functional role. So here's what I think I should say about the dogmatic criterion. Am I racist? Do I have racist beliefs? Yeah. Well, I have these egalitarian uh, explicit beliefs. Yeah. Yay for me. And then I've got these other attitudes that are implicit. And they're not beliefs, but they may eventually be not so good for me, not terrible. Am I racist on that criterion? Maybe a little bit. All right. Uh, let's move to behavior. Uh, here's this data. What percentage of our behavior is in fact predicted by our there's been quite a bit of work on this recently. Uh, Oswald et al. 2013 said they are a poor predictor um, of behavior. And their meta-analysis, IAT scores predict 2.2% of variance in behavior. That's a very small amount. There's a meta-analysis, a rival meta-analysis by uh, Greenwell, 
Ashkenazi, I think. Uh, strictness on inclusion and exclusion criteria. And they come up with a higher figure. But it's not a dramatically higher figure. Um, it's more like 5% of uh, behavior. Now, I actually have reasons to think that, that both are underestimates, which I'm happy to talk about in question time. Nevertheless, it's still very clear that most of our behavior is predicted by our exit now, as I said, Oswald et al. say that uh, implicit attitudes are poor predictors of behavior. And I think that's a mistake in some ways. Um, certainly many people have concluded from that, including some philosophers. It turns out implicit attitudes just don't matter. That's a complete mistake, I think. Just for an example, this is from a, a beginning of a paper, they note that the effect size of a daily dose of low-dose aspirin in the group from heart attack is much, much smaller than alternative aspirin or pericarditis or aspirin. But taking a daily dose of, of aspirin actually saves lives. Uh, an effect size like that, 2.2% of behavior, that does mean thousands and thousands of racist acts per day in you know, a country the size of the United States. And some of that will be highly consequential when things are evenly balanced. It's the difference between somebody getting a job and not getting a job, for example. And, very causatively, it's the difference between somebody getting a job and not getting a job. So, am I a racist on the behavioral criteria? Criterion. Well, I've got these explicit illicits that tell most of my behavior, so good for me. But on the other hand, I am disposed under certain conditions, in particular, <coughs> under stress, uh, under cognitive load, when I'm tired, or just when um, considerations are in some way uh, inaccessible to me, such as I can't tell myself the form of the story, I'm disposed to behave in racist ways. So I think, I don't do it most of the time, so yay, that's uh, maybe a little bit. Okay, finally on the affective Here the idea is somebody's racist if they have a certain kind of emotion. I don't know of any data we could cite here. I don't know of any sort of analysis which says what proportion of our day-to-day uh, -day affects are driven by what kind of state um, or um, things in one way look a lot worse when special um, compared to most other animals in that we do uh, reason and our reasoning actually does drive a lot of our behavior. Despite what you may uh, think from reading some of the psychology. That emotions are paradigm states over which top-down control is difficult. They're notoriously You might think on the affective criteria, criterion, 
I'm going to do a lot worse than I know it to. I think that's um, a, a consideration that can be at least mitigated by thinking about the content of the emotions. If you look at the standard uh, theory in the philosophical literature, critical literature for that matter, on what makes a person racist, they don't cite just any affect, they cite affects of, of certain kinds. Um, have you ever had in mind here? People like Garcia, and Anthony Appiah, uh, who cite emotions like contempt, hatred, disgust. These emotions, now there is data on, um, there's no, nobody's done this this process, but there is some relevant data on what kind of affects people are prone to in virtue of particular attitudes. And they don't seem anything like that strong. They are more things like anxiety, disquiet. Uh, you can measure this in terms of startle potentiation, you can measure it in terms of report, you can measure it in terms of autonomic system activation, you can measure it by neuroimaging, by looking at the amygdala. And all of those uh, measures, you are seeing emotional responses, or if you like, physiological or neural correlates of emotional responses. But they don't seem like disgust, certainly not contempt or hatred. They seem much milder. They, the, in fact, if you look at uh, a measure like the effect misattribution procedure, in which people look at black and white faces and then misattribute the effect they're feeling to another stimulus, that the success of that procedure depends on the affective state being weak and difficult to interpret. So I think on that criterion, too, I should say the same thing about I have these, I am in virtue of my, um, my particular attitudes, I am disposed to certain kinds of affects. And those affects are normatively problematic. I don't get to show away from virtue of them. But they don't seem to make me, they don't push me over into the category of being racist. Somewhere between, you know, celebrate my virtues, and I've got a real problem, I mean a ser really serious problem, I'm somewhere in between them. I don't get to, uh, off the hook, I don't get to, uh, to um, wash my hands of it, I ought to be worried by it, I ought to be worried about it in a way that bestows my <laughs> behaviour, but it seems inappropriate to as out-and-out out racist or not racist. So the three criteria all seem to yield the same answer. Uh, I'm not racist, but at least it would be very misleading to call me racist, uh, unqualified. But it would be somewhat misleading to say you know, that I 
egalitarian. 